Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. So today I would like to talk about types and shadows, symbolism versus spiritual realities. Okay? And I would like to start by the Garden of Eden or in the Garden of Eden. We know that in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve fell, right? And it says in Genesis 3, 7, then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. Do you think they had not seen their own bodies before? Do you think this was the first time they saw their bodies? No. So what had happened? God had said they would surely die. And we hear that they went out of the garden and continued to live. So what died? It was God's spirit in man that died, right? So now that God's spirit had died, they were no longer led by the spirit moved by the Spirit, now they began to depend on the soul. They began to depend on the mind, their will, and emotions informed by their senses. Right? And we know what the senses are. They're the sight, the smell, the hearing, the touch, the taste. So before the fall, they had been living from the inside out. We know that when God created man, he did not become a living soul until God breathed into him the breath of life, right? So initially they lived from the inside out. Now they began to live depending on the soul. They began to live depending on their senses from the outside in. And that's why now they became self-conscious and realized, oh, we are naked, right? So, so now, for God, God had walked with them and talked with them in the garden, right? Yes. But now, not only did they become without the Spirit of God, with that, their understanding became darkened. They no longer had the understanding of the spiritual things because when the spirit left, their understanding was darkened. So now God had to begin to relate to them differently. Like if you have a small child, you do not take a thickly, tightly typed lexicon to read them something. They'll never understand. You need to get a book with illustrations, with pictures, and then you can point to things so they can see, so they can help them to understand, right? So now, God then, in order to relate to man, gave us types and shadows and symbolism. But if you read initially in the garden, Adam and Eve did not need types and shadows and symbolism. They were in daily direct contact and fellowship with God. 
right? But now after the fall, they needed that. So God did that in order to be able to relate to them, I mean, rather them being able to relate to God, and God being able to communicate to them. So now I would like to, first of all, as born again, spirit-filled, New Testament, New Covenant believers, God expects us to grow up unto all things in him. Ephesians 4.15 says, Ephesians 4.15, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. That means that the Lord wants us to grow up and no longer depend on and lean on the external, but to come back to his original plan of us living from the inside out, feeding off the spirit, not off the external circumstances. So he wants us to become supernatural, not just mere men. Now we are not just mere men. Now we have the very spirit of God Almighty, the creator, living inside of us. And we need to be mindful of that. Like the scripture that JB shared with us about the tree that, that digs down deep roots, right? Yes. It does not depend on the circumstances for its life. It draws its life from the water, and the yes. water is symbolic of the spirit. Yes. And we know that man became a living soul when God breathed into him the spirit, and that the original plan of God was a direct relationship between him and us. Amen. No props, no shadows, no types, direct relationship. Amen? And that is what he came to restore unto us. So now let's look at the Sabbath. The Sabbath is a good illustration of a type and shadow. So I am going to first of all just read a couple of verses from Exodus 31, 14 and 15. Exodus 31, 14 and 15, and it says, You shall keep the Sabbath, therefore, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it, to profane something is to treat it with irreverence or disrespect. So if you disrespect the Sabbath, yes. it says that you, you should surely be put to death. For whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Work shall be done for six days, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day, he shall surely be put to death. And we go on and we hear that a man collected sticks on the Sabbath day, and when Moses asked God what was to be done, do you know what was to be done? He was to be put to death. Now that seems really contrary to what we saw earlier. Earlier we saw that Abel killed, I mean Cain killed Abel. Did God kill Cain in return? No. Why now 
did God command that a man be put to death just for picking up sticks? Now, remember I started out saying we are talking about types and shadows. But everything is not about the types and shadows. It is about what those types and shadows point to, right? So what did the Sabbath day point to? It pointed to rest in God, ceasing from your own works and resting in God. And God was very serious about the types and shadows he gave. Because if any man did not enter into the Sabbath, which we will see is Jesus Christ. I will show the scriptures now. If, they do, if we do not enter into Jesus Christ, we shall surely die, right? But now look at Moses. Moses was a great leader of the people. Yes. But when he smoke, smote the rock, the second time, rather than speaking to it, there was a severe consequence. Moses did not get to enter into the promised land, yes. right? Yes. So these types and shadows, they all point to a spiritual reality. But do you know that we can become guilty of keeping all the types and shadows, all the religious traditions, while violating the spiritual realities simply because we do not understand. So we need to look past the types and shadows and see, but what is it about? Because it's not about taking a day off. If it was about taking a day off, we'll see that now, then all of the children in the wilderness would have entered in. They took a day off. But now let's read. First of all, I would like to just read Galatians 6.15. Galatians 6.15. It says, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availed anything. Now we know that circumcision was a sign or a type of a shadow of the covenant that God cut with Abraham, right? But we know from the New Testament that it is no longer a circumcision of the flesh, but of the heart. So that is now another shadow and type that has been fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So it says, it neither circumcision avails anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. But what? A new, a new creature. Jesus said, you must be born again, John 3, 7. So we know that to get a new heart, God said he would take out the stony heart and give us a heart of flesh. But that is not something we can do through our own works. That comes by entering into Jesus Christ, by allowing him to enter into us and change our heart. Amen. So even if someone went and got circumcised, if they did not enter into Jesus Christ, they still did not fulfill the covenant that Jesus has come to establish with us. I hope this morning to make it clear. The important thing is the spiritual realities behind the symbolism 
behind the types and shadows, right? So now I would like to read from Hebrews 3, verse 10 and 11. Hebrews 3, verse 10 and 11. It says, Therefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. So in other words, they have not known my ways. They have thought it was by their own works of righteousness. They have not known and believed in me. So they're not going to be able to enter in because Titus 3.5 says, not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to my mercy I saved you. And if you think you don't need God's mercy and that you can do it yourself, through your own good works, you surely will not enter in. Enter into the kingdom of God because blood and flesh cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, so if the rest of God was a day, they would have all been in, but it's not a day. Let's read Hebrews 4, 4 through 6. And that says Hebrews 4, 4 through 6. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise. And God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, if they shall enter into my rest, not if they shall take a day off, if they shall enter into my rest, that I did the work for them, Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they to whom it was first preached entered not in. Why? Because of unbelief. So here we see clearly the Sabbath day is not a matter of just taking a day off. It's a matter of believing. It's a matter of entering into the finished work of God of, through Jesus Christ. Receiving what he did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Because God is not just a loving God and a merciful God, but he is also a just and a righteous God. And he did say the wages of sin is death. So in order to not be a sinner, you had to keep the whole law. None of us could do it. Jesus came and did that for us. And now when we enter into his rest, when we are in him, it is like we are him. We benefit from all that he has done. Now, if this phone is in my pocket, whatever is true now about me, if it's true about me that I am behind this podium, it is true about my phone that it is behind the podium. If it is true of me that I am seated in heavenly places, it is true of my phone that it is seated in heavenly places because it is in my pocket. It is in me, right? And that's why we must be in Christ. In order to enter the kingdom of God, our own works. And that's why God was so serious that this man had to be put to death because it was an illustration. Your own works cannot do it if you don't enter in you will surely die. Amen? Amen. 
So, now we are going to read um, Hebrews 4, 7 through 11. Hebrews 4, 7 through 11. Again, he limited a certain day, saying in David, Today, after so long a time, as it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? There remained therefore a rest to the people of God, not to the people that take a free day, to the people of God. Amen? For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works. Now that doesn't mean I don't work, I work, but it means I do not work to obtain right standing with God. I don't try to keep this law and that law and this type and shadow and this tradition and that in order to be right with God. I've ceased from that. I've stopped from that. I have realized I cannot do it. Jesus, I thank you for your sacrifice for me. I now enter in and rest in you because you did it for me. That's why I need you because I cannot do it. Amen? Amen. So, oh, where was I? Okay, for, I think we were on verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the example of unbelief. So what are we to labor? We are not to labor to keep the law. John 6, 29, John 6, 29 says, Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God, that you believe on him whom he has sent. Our work is to get rid of our doubt and unbelief by getting into the word of God. We labor to obtain faith. You know that Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God's word is like little containers that brings us faith. And so we need to work to get in the word. It's so easy to neglect the word. And it's so easy to let the unseen slip because we get so caught up in the circumstances and the everyday life. Amen? So the law was a type and shadow and required that, the, that they keep the Sabbath, right? Now, Jesus did not come to destroy the law. He did not come to, to, to uh, say, oh, forget that, destroy that. No, he came to fulfill it. That whole keeping of the Sabbath pointed us to the true rest, the spiritual reality, which was in Christ Jesus and still is in Christ Jesus. Jesus said, I did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. Amen? So that Sabbath, why do we not celebrate the Sabbath? Because it is now fulfilled in Jesus Christ. We need to be in Christ. And when we are in Christ, then we are honoring the Sabbath. Because we are honoring what it represents. It represents being in Christ Jesus. So we honor it. We believe in it. 
but we don't need to go through the religious ritual of it because now we have the real thing. Remember, it says it's a type and a shadow. If, if you want to get on the bus, right? Maybe you can see the shadow before you see the bus. Mm -hmm. But when the bus arrives, are you gonna go and get on the shadow? Or are you gonna get up and get inside the actual bus? We're gonna get up and get inside the actual bus, right? We don't ride on the shadows, we ride on the reality, on the real thing, amen? So now I would like us to have a look at communion and the spiritual reality behind communion. Okay. So, see, the sad part is that many go through the act of communion, but don't actually know the reality. What is it all about? Because when Jesus, okay, let's read it as we get to it. So, first of all, let's talk about the elements and their significance. We know that it is the blood and the bread, right? Yes. So, we know that life is in the blood. Leviticus 17.11, Leviticus 17.11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. It is the blood, blood needed to be shed, yeah. right? Yes. And we know that when God created Adam and Eve, Adam, oh sorry, Adam did not become a living soul until God breathed into him the spirit of life, right? So life is in the blood and spirit uh, in the spirit. In Genesis 2.7, it's Genesis 2.7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the blood represents the life and spirit of God. Amen? So, so we also know that without his blood being shed of us, we could not be reborn. We would not be able to obtain eternal life without Jesus shedding his blood for us. Yes. Now the body. Let's first of all, let's read what the body represents. Let's go to John 6. John 6, 49 through 60, and then after that, 66 through 69. John 6, 49 through 60. So the whole chapter deals with the bread and feeding of the multitudes. Yes. So then all of a sudden, after ministering to the multitudes, Jesus says in verse 51, by the way, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Yeah. In verse 49, he says, Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. This yeah. is the bread that comes down from heaven. Remember, he was talking about himself. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Amen. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. 
the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Let's look at John 1.14. John 1.14 says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So what is Jesus talking about eating? Is he talking about cannibalism? Eat my flesh? No. What is he talking about? The word. Now, if we don't understand the spiritual reality, as we read along, let's see what happened. Um, verse 52. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? 53. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Sure, he didn't try to cover and explain and quickly let me tell you. He made matters worse. He repeated it. Yeah. <laughs> 54. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And again, he's making matters worse because he's continuing to repeat himself. Right? And I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. The spiritual reality behind communion is abiding in him. You may come, you may take part of the elements and yet not be abiding in Christ. What is more important? Going through the type, types and shadows, the symbolism, or living in the reality. Living in the reality. But we need to understand what is the reality. Amen? So, so we know now that it is about abiding in him. And that is not done by, by, you don't necessarily abide by taking part of the physical elements if your heart is not right with God. We are going to read later, but we saw that Judas was present at the Last Supper, and he took part of the elements, but was his heart right? Now we'll see. He had already made a covenant with the enemies of Jesus. He had sold Jesus. So what happened? Now he took part again. But that's very dangerous because that's like lying to the Holy Spirit. You pretend. We saw with Sapphire and Ananias when they lied to the Holy Spirit. When they pretended what happened, they died. Right? What happened to Judas? He went and hanged, him, hanged himself, hung himself. Yes. So, but, but do you actually... So Okay, let's see. Um, so verse 57... As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Do you realize what's happening right now? Right now, we are having communion. I am breaking the living bread of Jesus Christ. Yes. I am feeding you the bread 
of Jesus because I am feeding you his flesh because I am feeding you the word right so right now we are having communion in the spiritual reality of communion because we are sharing the loaf that one loaf and we are all many members but we are all partaking right of that one loaf and that one loaf is Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So what we need now, Jesus came to restore us to the original relationship where in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had no types, no shadows, no symbolisms because they had the spirit of God. They were spiritually alive and aware. And so this is what God wants us. We became like spiritually darkened. Mm -hmm. We needed all these illustrations to help us understand. As I said, like your toddler, he needs a book with pictures to be able to understand and comprehend. But as we read in Ephesians 4.15, the Lord wants us to grow up unto him, the head who is the head. In all things, we must grow in our understanding. 1 Timothy 2.4 says that it is God's will that all come to salvation and to an understanding of the truth and knowledge of truth. And that is what we seek to do now. We seek to uncover. Maybe the whole spiritual reality has been covered by our religious act, but let's look further. Let's look deeper. Let's put those roots down deep, like JB read to us this morning about the tree that puts down deep roots. And if we go deep enough, when the storms come, we are not gonna be blown over. And when the droughts come, we are not gonna lack and thirst, amen? So, amen, thank you Jesus, thank you Lord. So now verse 59, we were in John 6, now we're reading verse 59. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum, verse 60. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Who can hear it? Jump down to verse 66. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Why? They totally misunderstood him. They thought he was talking about cannibalism. They said, this is outrageous. I am gone. No more. But he was not. But did Jesus bother to to explain himself? No. Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit to draw. He said, no man can come unto me except the Holy Spirit draws him. Jesus was never after numbers. He was after truth, after those who had that spiritual keenness to recognize truth. But do you know that this saying shook even the very core, the 12 disciples, it shook them to where when Jesus turned around, it says here in verse uh, 67, so Jesus said to the 12, do you want to go away as well? No. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, 
to whom shall we go? Almost like if there was some place else to go, maybe. Yeah. Like we can think we might have heard some hard sayings here, but why are we here? Because we've been many other places, but we never heard that truth that really resonated in our souls. So we were saying like, where should we go? There is no one else. You alone have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Amen. Amen? So those that fell away, if Jesus would have just said, I'm just talking about hearing and believing my word, then maybe they would have stuck around. Mm. But Jesus wasn't after numbers. He yeah. wanted people that were deep. He wanted disciples that really had a personal yeah. conviction. Yeah. He never tried to argue or persuade somebody into relationship with him. Amen? But we nevertheless, we don't want to fall away. Because what are we to fall away too? We want to put down deep roots so that we will stand strong. And for that to happen, we cannot go by the external. We now need to get to the realities behind the external. Amen? So, um, but they fell away because they lacked a deeper understanding of the spiritual reality behind what Jesus was saying. If they would have stuck it around, stuck out, stuck around, they might have come to a knowledge of the truth, but they were quick to, to leave, so they didn't. Sadly, they didn't. Now let's read 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 30. 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 30. So verse 23 says, For I have received of the Lord, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. 24. And when he had given thanks, he brake it and said, Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So what was he saying? What was he actually this is my body broken for you. What was Jesus doing? He was establishing a covenant, a new covenant with the disciples. He said, this is my body, this bread is my body. In other words, all that I have and all that I am, I give for you to partake of. All that I have and all that I am, I give for you to partake of. Amen? Amen. And then he said in verse uh, 25, After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do as oft as you drink it in remembrance of me. Now, did you realize when Jesus broke the bread, he did not say this bread as oft as you eat it. He only said that about the cup, as often as you drink it. So what was it about? What is a covenant about? A covenant is about making a commitment, right? Yes. You can liken it to a marriage. When a couple comes, stands before the altar, 
They only say, I do, one time. They don't every day say, I do, I do, I do, I do. But what does the cup represent? The cup represents Jesus, for Jesus to give his blood. He had to sacrifice in the ultimate to understanding of the word sacrifice. He had to literally die, die completely to self, give up everything. He had to suffer, he had to sacrifice. And he said, this cup, if you are going to be in, in um, covenant with me, if you're going to be able to continue to stay in covenant, in cov covenant, there will be many tests coming your way. There will be many trials. You may have to die to a few things in your own life. You, your flesh may have to suffer. You may have to say no. So you may have to sacrifice time and again and again and again. You may have to drink of this cup of sacrifice and suffering often if you are to keep covenant, if you are to stay and maintain this commitment. Amen? So that was verse... Now we go to verse 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. So the communion that Jesus had was a reminder of the covenant that he established with us, right? We need to know now what is the reality because I could eat of the elements and not be mindful of my covenant with God. What is Jesus interested in? That I eat the elements or that I am mindful of my covenant with God? What is it that truly counts? The, to yeah. be mindful of the covenant. The reality behind it is what truly matters. Amen? Amen? So, verse 27. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the blood, body, and blood of the Lord. Now, unworthily, what does that mean? We just talked that Judas was present at the Last Supper. Was Judas worthy to make a statement saying, I am in covenant with the Lord? No, because he was not in covenant with the Lord. So because of that, it says here that you, you eat, um, shall be worthy of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eats and drinks unworthily, eat it and drink it damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's blood, I mean body, not discerning the Lord's body. Now, what is it, what is it to discern something? It's to recognize it, value it, honor it, right? But here we see that the covenant that Jesus broke with the disciples was not just uh, it wasn't just between him and God. It was with, and what I'm trying to say is that we are all, the whole body of Christ, we don't just have a covenant between God and ourselves. We have a covenant with the body of believers. We have a commitment with the church, right? So 
we might have to sometimes sacrifice to maintain that commitment. Somebody might say or do something that offends me. But I have made a covenant. I have made a commitment. So I'm not just going to say, that's it, I'm gone. No, I have a commitment. It's a commitment between me and God and between me and the body of Christ that he has placed me in. Amen? So, also, of course, we have to also realize that is Jesus the body? No, Jesus is the head. We are the body, right? Jesus is the head. Ephesians 1, 22 and 23 says, and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, the head over the church, which is the body. We are the body. He is the head, which is the body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. That was Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And Colossians 1, 18 says, and he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence, right? Now we also have to realize, because up here we read that he eats and drinks damnation to himself. Now, we know that to be in covenant, there were blessings attached to being, why did people cut covenant? You know, they even sometimes they would cut their wrist and they would mix their blood and they would be in what they called a blood covenant that was an unbreakable covenant till death do you part, right? That's like what a marriage is, unbreakable covenant till death do you part. But why would people, why would different tribes enter into covenant with each other? Because there were blessings attached. You help me, I help you, together we are stronger, together we can do more, right? There was blessing attached, but if the covenant was broken, there were also curses. There were negative consequences, very negative consequences to breaking covenant. So likewise with us, if we break covenant with God, and even if we break our covenant with the body of believers, we are going to suffer negative consequences from that. Amen? And if we don't discern the Lord's body, it says we will be weak, we will be sick, and some even die. So we need one another. We need the body, right? Okay. For ex yeah. I skip that point. What how much time do you have? One more hour. Excuse me. Okay. All right. So now I just want to conclude. I hope. This was, it's pretty clear, right? Yeah. Now, I just want to say that in Romans 14, verse 4, 5, let me just see. In, yeah, in Romans, actually, I'd like to read it. Because you know that in those days, there were Jews that had become Christians, yes. right? And they felt guilty about not keeping the Sabbath because it was something they had been raised to observe. It was in their blood to do it, right? But let's see now what Paul said about them keeping the Sabbath. Let's read Romans 14, verses 1 through 5. Romans 14, verses 1 through 5. 
As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. The King James says not to doubtful dis, uh, disputations. Yeah. One person believes he may eat every, anything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats, sorry, yeah. let's, let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. Yes. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats. For God has welcomed him. Who are you to pass judgment on the servant of another? It is before his own master that he stands or falls. Who are you to meddle, to get in between? It's not your job. Amen? Amen? And he will be upheld, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all day alike, all days alike. Each one should be fully persuaded or fully convinced in his own mind. Amen? Now, if we don't have communion here, and you want to go and have communion, there is no condemnation, right? I'm just saying, like, we are free to do or not to do, but this is the thing. What we do or don't do, we need to do it as unto the Lord. We need to know, we need to study ourselves to be approved unto God. Workmen that do not need to be ashamed. Yes. We need to know the spiritual realities behind the symbolism. Because when it comes down to it, Jews who keep the Sabbath, if they do not receive Jesus Christ, they are not going to be able to enter. So you can keep all the rituals, all the religious requirements, but... If you do not live the spiritual realities behind it, and what did Jesus say is going to give us life? His flesh, his word, the word. We need to partake of the word, we need to study the word, and we need to go deeper. We need to dig our roots deep to where we are feeding off the spiritual realities, living the spiritual realities, and not just performing religious rituals without even knowing what we are doing. Like somebody, if somebody walked in from the street and we had communion and they just, okay, let me eat, and they are not worthy, that's bad. Because that is like making a public statement, I am in a covenant with God. But that would be a lie if they're not in a covenant with God. Right? So that would not be a good thing. So now, as we close, I would like to just read Acts 17, Verse 10 and 11. Acts 17, verse 10 and 11. And that is about the Bereans. And the, now this, Paul and Silas had been persecuted in Thessaloniki, and they fled to a nearby city called Berea. It says, And the brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more noble than those in Thessaloniki, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily 
whether those things were so. We need to live in the Word. We need to go to the Word and allow the Word to enlighten our understanding. We were born by Adam, descendants of Adam. We were born spiritually dead with darkened understandings. Now Jesus said, I am the light of the world. As we partake of the Word, our understanding is becoming more enlightened. And we need to do that. We need to study so that we can understand the reality. Paul said, I know whom I have believed. Do you know who you believe? Do you know the reality behind? And is that what you're in agreement with? Are you in covenant with that? Do you understand who you have believed? We need to have understanding. That was one of the things that all men may come to salvation and the knowledge of the truth. You need to know, you need to understand, you need to recognize, you need to discern. And that goes for all of us. We are on this journey together. We are learning together. But when a hard saying does maybe hit our ears, let's not run out the door. Let's stick our roots a bit deeper and search the scriptures like the Bereans did to see whether these things be so. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.